All right. Welcome, welcome to episode something. I don't even know what number we're on. Number five, he tells me. So we're on episode number five. Today, we're going to cover ESPN Fantasy Football app. Um, It's actually not just football, but it's all uh, it's all sports. It's a fantasy app for ESPN. Um, And with us on the podcast today, we've got Nils Davis, our special guest. And then uh, we're missing a couple folks from our from our own house. But we've got Yogesh and Andrew on the line. So um, with that, I'm just gonna jump. I'm just gonna jump straight in because we don't do uh, you know long warm ups and introductions and stuff. We want you to like learn about us as we talk. Um, so we don't get we don't get to waste in time. So I'm gonna jump right into what is ESPN. Um, and for this for the purposes of this podcast, um, for the app, anyways, we can talk about all the sports. I think the biggest one by by far is football, right? They have basketball, they have hockey, they have baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the most users for sure are using the ESPN fantasy football function of the fantasy app. So um, if you hear me say ESPN fantasy, I'm probably referring to uh, football and that's American football. Sorry for all my um, soccer people out there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I have no idea what you mean, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. I know we have some international audience. Um all right, so ESPN Fantasy Football, what is it? Um, it is a mobile app. It is also a desktop app. But what it allows you to do, for anybody who doesn't know how fantasy sports work, it allows you to draft real-life players onto your fantasy team, like a fake team, right? So, for instance, you know, I'm wearing my uh, Julian Edelman jersey, right? He's, he's He no longer plays in the, uh, in the NFL, but... In this fantasy world, I could draft Julian Edelman to my team, and then I could draft other players from other teams onto my team. And depending on how they do in real life on Sunday, how they perform, uh, for instance, they get a certain number of uh, fantasy points prescribed um, with different statistics like uh, yardage or catches or touchdowns. And these could be comparable to, to other sports like scoring a basket in basketball or kicking a goal in soccer or hitting a home run in baseball, right? Mm-hmm. It prescribed a certain number of fantasy points. And at the end, it the, you win the game based on how many um, fantasy points you get based off real-life performance, and you go up against other people in your league. And it is really fun. It is really addicting. Um, I have been in a fantasy football league now for 10 years, so I've been using this app for 10 years, um, and uh, I've I really enjoyed it. Uh, won the last two years and I'm not at home. So you can't see my, um, my fantasy football trophy in the back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so that's just a brief intro. And I know um, on the call, like Nils and Yogesh, I don't know that you guys have as much, um, you know, as much experience as I do with the tool, but I still think you understand the, the general gist of the product, right? We're going to, we're going to go back. I, this. I understand the general gist and even a little bit about the history. You know, because I think it kind of arose out of saber metrics and that kind of thing, right? Where people were looking at tr- trying to come up with different ways to rank and rate players. Uh, I heard about it first in baseball mm-hmm. because there were players in the major leagues who were not considered as good as they probably were in terms of creating a winning season for a particular baseball team. And somebody came up with, with new ways of scoring. And I think that may may have been part of what originally drove the fantasy football um, concept, which was originally done in spreadsheets and probably on paper. That's yeah. So, so that is a huge point, right? I think the, one of the, one of the uh, big, you know, picture items to mention here with, with this product is my dad was playing fantasy football 20, 30 years ago. And every year his, his buddies, they would all get together and they would draft these players on a big paper board. Right. And so they would keep it by hand um, who they were drafting and how many points people were scoring. And so what ESPN did is they realized that there were so many rogue groups of friends that were following live sports, but keeping, you know, fantasy points. And so they built this um, ES, they built this this app to be able to do that all digitally and do that for you. So it's a wonderful picture and, and a wonderful story of how. You know, they took something, a problem that people were, were, you know, rallied around. There was a real tight niche community around, almost fanatic type of uh, community around it. And they built a product to service that community. So um, it's definitely a, 
uh, like an add-on, like <laughs> um, we like I've heard it been called a sidecar product. Hmm. Um, you know, obviously ESPN is a giant conglomerate, right? They do so many things, and this is just an add-on. It just straps owned, in. owned by Disney, which is a giant conglomerate, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let me bring up this point for, for you guys. Sidecar, right? What is that? Does that terminology mean anything to you? Would, does anybody would want to explain what that idea is for the audience? I have no idea. To be I, so I, I, I'd <laughs> never heard it before you mentioned it earlier this week, uh, Andrew, but it's, it's kind of like a brand extension kind right. of concept in some way. Um, and sometimes that can be really dangerous and you know, there's lots of examples of brand extensions failing or bringing a whole company down. Sometimes they're great. Diet Coke is an example of a brand extension that has not killed Coke and has created a juggernaut of its own. <laughs> and I think, um, you know, one of the things about ESPN fantasy football or this app and they're getting into it illustrates that, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any question that ESPN fantasy football, the app is cannibalizing ESPN, the, the channels, right? People still watch ESPN, the channels, if they're going to watch it. Um, and fantasy football is just another way for ESP people to get that ESPN logo in front of their face. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have a, to they have a whole show dedicated to it now, obviously, <laughs> like they, they, not only do they have the media, the columns and, and all the writers who are, you know, doing all the, the expert analysis and stuff, but they have an entire, like, you know, how you'd log on, on, you know, uh, or you'd turn your TV on, on Saturday morning and there's Scott Van Pelt and they're all doing the, the, you know, the top 10 plays of the week or whatever. Right. Well, now that doesn't really happen as much because people are catching their news in small snippets on social media. Yeah. Right. But in the case of what you were saying, Nils, with with ESPN fantasy football, is they have a they have a full show dedicated to that, and mm -hmm. so people will actually sit down and watch that because they can. It is snippets. Like they'll go like and spend two minutes on this player. Should you play in this week? They'll spend two minutes on this team. Should you should what what are the matchups here that you should be weary about as you set your lineups this coming week, right? And and every two minutes, it's another dopamine hit of like ah, I need to get this information. So that I can beat my friend in fantasy football, right? Right. Uh, yeah. So, but absolutely, absolutely, it's like a it's a great uh, sidecar product. And you know, I read this really great post. So about from this guy, uh, he he talks a lot about PLG product led growth stuff. Kyle Poyar is his name. He was talking about how beat it. Um, a lot of companies like SaaS companies will uh, acquire. Um, media companies. And so the the biggest ones that he pointed out were like HubSpot acquired the hustle. Um, Pendo acquired um, mine, the product. So for us product people, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. And then there's other smaller example, or maybe I don't know how small or large they are in terms of deal size, but um, maybe lesser known. Intuit MailChimp acquired um, Courier, uh, Courier and Shopify with Shopify Studio. So there's a lot of you know, examples of B2B companies buying media companies. Now ESPN is already a media company. And so what they've done is kind of gone the other route. They didn't, you know, ESPN fantasy football is not a SaaS offering per se, but it's definitely a B2C, you know, <laughs> consumer <laughs> major app, right? Yo, guess hit them with some stats. You were telling me before this call, <laughs> um, how big ESPN fantasy football, the, or the, the app is. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the statistic is, is really astonishing from my perspective also because I never thought that the numbers would be so uh, big. Uh, I mean, we were discussing that how many people are watching the American football in the entire North America, and the numbers are like skyrocketing, like 390 million. But what was astonishing is that like even on the weekly basis on uh, in the fantasy world, we are 18 million users on the weekly basis. And uh, the, the, the market size right now of who are using it annually, if you ask me, is around 50 million, 50 million people. And the bigger thing is that the target market size is much bigger than that. It's 130 million, if you ask me. 130 million is a big number because every third person among those 390 million want to be part of some fantasy league. So that gives you that this market is insane. Uh, and uh, the, even the, from the billion dollars perspective, this market and uh, the ESPN plus, I'm oh, sorry, ESPN fantasy is estimated between anywhere uh, 
40 to 70 billion dollars that's that's an estimation of this app right now so wow. yeah this is this is amazing and so, what, what, another important thing that i want to just add over here from the from the numbers perspective is that 81% users are male 19% are female okay so 81% are male yep yeah okay that doesn't surprise me <laughs> not too super not too surprising that was, not too surprising but even the 19 percent is is a, is a very very encouraging number from my perspective another yeah. thing is the average age is a is 37 years wow that now that's interesting that's yeah in- yeah well that, that i think that would go with my intuition is that older white guys are the big players of fantasy football not I mean, and and it, because it's America, that's actually because we're in the U.S. That's actually aligns with demographics in the U.S. in some sense. Yep. Men tend to watch football more. We think of it that anyway. Yep. I mean, lots of women watch football, but um, you know, that's a, that's just the demographics. Um, do you do you know what the usage of? Did you happen to get any statistics about the usage of ESPN fantasy for other sports other than football, or in other countries? Uh, no, I haven't got a chance to do that. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious if like um, there's a cricket uh, fantasy leagues in, mm-hmm. in in India or in England or in Australia where cricket is is a big sport. Mad following. <laughs> yeah, and then and the numbers would be pretty big there, right? Because yeah. you're talking about a population not of 330 yes, yeah. million, yeah. but of of a billion. Yeah, 2.5 billion if you combine India, Pakistan, Bangladesh. You are already yeah. talking about 2.5 billion people watching it. But if you ask me, then even in the terms of the people who would be playing fantasy, will yeah. be if you think about it, it's half is already one billion people. Yeah, exactly. It's a huge number. Yeah. Huge number. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean that's that's. I don't want to take that question early. That hey, where do you want to expand? That is where I want to expand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good. That's a good one to take. Yeah, that'll be next week's episode. Well, we'll fantasy. <laughs> Uh, here's what I was going to say though, guys, is it seems like, so no matter what sport we're talking about here, almost every sport is seasonal, right? So it happens for Mm -hmm. six to seven, eight, sometimes eight months out of the year. Um, and then during those eight months, there's a, a drastic drop off in, in, um, you know, daily active users, so to speak, or weekly active users mm-hmm. right? yep. because the seasons, the, the real season's not happening. So let me ask this as, as you guys, as product managers, how do you, I guess, how do we as product managers handle those types of products where you have, um, seven, eight months of really heavy usage and then four months of quiet, almost nothingness. Um, how does that affect, your development life cycle? How does that affect the product and, and how you enhance it um, and all those sorts of things? I'd love to get your your insight on that. Well, you know, I, I, so I think there's a couple things specifically to ESPN Fantasy, which of course it, it covers the main professional sports, not just football. So football has a season. Baseball has a season that overlaps a little bit with football. Hockey has a season that overlaps a little bit with football and baseball at the ends and basketball and hockey are basically the same season. So they, you know, if you're going to build a fantasy app, you're probably going to want to make it support at least the four major professional sports in America. Um, now you may, um, you know, football may still be the biggest American football may still be the biggest, but at least you can have people, going on, on all the thing. And one of the things that I noticed when I first logged into to the ESPN fantasy app is it doesn't look like a fantasy app. It looks like a newspaper, a sports page, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. got every sport on there. It's got highlights from the latest games. So, you know, if you think about football fans, they manage to find stuff to do all year round. They look at who the, you know, they think about the draft, who's going to be the, the, the next player to be traded what's going to happen to this guy that got injured in the regular season and are they going to be ready for the next season and they want to know the injury reports and all that kind of stuff so fans tend to be very engaged even outside of the season even if they can't specifically play the fantasy game during that period but they might say well i'm going to play a little baseball fantasy baseball or fantasy basketball during that period Mm -hmm. that would be so be something I, i might think about no, Niels, you, you, you really hit the point, basically. Like, fans are always following. I mean, 
the season may have ended as you said but mm-hmm. they are always following they are following college football if not the regular football and they are they are looking for the who are the upcoming players and they they really are interested in the in the the life like exactly like how are they practicing where are they traveling to get what is the next level training they are doing and and they are always interested to know how can they improve the better and even though there is so much discussion going on the strategies and how someone did not perform well in the particular season and what can they do next uh, next year mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the one way of looking at it but also when i, I was looking into this uh, espn app i was looking at they had some 24 games i mean i was looking at they also had like wwe like for example which goes mm-hmm. round the year okay right. great example like you have something which is entertaining uh i don't know whether they you are, i have never created any fantasy league for wwe but yeah people must have that so again now that the target audience is different for that league i mean as you said it may not be the, the it may not be the white elderly people on that one but maybe <laughs> yeah. the young, yeah, maybe the young ones because they are watching the wwe so the maybe the audience is changing but the the average weekly numbers are not changing in mm-hmm. that manner that's yeah, why i was saying like it was go ahead sorry, please sorry, 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 i was just saying i would tend to disagree i think football heavily outweighs yeah no. the number of users in the rest of the in the rest of the app right and and they're on the rest of the sports so even like if you, i don't i'm not saying that i'm an average user but like i know so i know tons of people almost everybody i play have played fantasy football with throughout the years mm-hmm. which is probably well over 100 people yeah very few of them play more than just fantasy football but almost all of them follow more than just football outside of fantasy sports mm-hmm. right so that is one of the crux of the you know issues that i guess as a product manager looking at the app you'd have is how can you get fans who are fans of multiple sports to play fa- uh you know multiple fantasy games right and i think this kind of leads into the next bit of the conversation we should have which is commercialization how does es maybe if you guys i think i know but <laughs> you guys who are kind of close uh or like kind of newer to you know fantasy sports or like kind of like looking into this stuff what is in your interpretation their commercialization model as it stands today i would i would assume ads but i don't but i don't know so i when i was doing research that three things came up heavily first was advertisement yeah okay the second was sold tournament sponsorship which is i was like i was not aware of and the third mm-hmm. is co-produced videos now this is this was like i mean yeah ad was number one but co-produced videos wow i i never thought about it what is that i'm still wondering what what they co-produce like what kind of videos are co-producing are the are the teaming up with the big players and what kind of videos they're producing that's a big question over there i think Oh, go ahead, Nils. Maybe like the, the NFL producing videos with ESPN and yes. paying for that. Yeah, exactly. That ability, yeah. or you know, Smirnoff vodka paying for v- videos. I I don't know what what it would be ha- having not had too much experience with it. You know, the other obvious thing is betting or pools. Probably not actually legal for ESPN to do that, but certainly within fa- football pool, football fan- fantasy football leagues that. people do there's often a betting af- aspect of it or you know put $20 in and somebody at the end of the 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 top leader gets half of it at the end and second place gets the quarter and you know so on um so i don't know if if uh, espn is monetizing at all in that way or some kind of a membership no. but that would be if if it weren't for the fact that it's illegal <laughs> that would be the no, obvious way to make money on it because well, i bet I they could make a huge amount yeah so i did another research that it's it's if it, it would have been illegal if espn is like acting like a booker and we are betting against espn but it is not illegal if we are doing a multiplayer betting if you're so, betting against each other yes against each other basically yeah. so that is legal aspect and uh, till 2016 it was only allowed in three states or four states basically uh, by the end of 2019 22 states supporting it and other states are uh, were, were following the way So I don't know what is the numbers right now but I think it it has expanded now. I think we're trending in I guess in the right direction whatever that means, right? <laughs> think about the I wouldn't call these other apps um necessarily competitors here mm-hmm. but they're in the same realm like DraftKings, right? Yep. It's a fantasy betting app. It's not yeah. it's not this it's I wouldn't call it a direct competitor to ESPN mm-hmm. Sports. But um 
you know, even they are getting a lot more leeway, legally speaking, and, mm-hmm. and able to operate in more states, right, as we <laughs> go in further into this future world we're heading into. <clears throat> but I would say, you know, I think you guys hit the nail on the head. The, the way that they monetize today is mainly through um, ads, right? Mm-hmm. Every single time you want to watch a clip, like, man, I'm trying to set my lineup and they'll send me, hey, here's a one minute clip of what we say you should do about Russell Wilson this week. And I'll click that one minute clip and I have to watch a 30 second ad every single, and it adds with every single player on my team. And so yeah. they'll nail you with ads. I think the one, um, the one monetization piece we missed here was ESPN plus mm-hmm. so ESPN plus for those who don't know is a, it, you know, like how everybody has a plus these days, right. it's basically access behind a paywall to uh special or um more well-researched content right and it's also bundled under the big abc umbrella or what is disney umbrella which is disney disney plus hulu plus espn plus right Mm. um and so if you have you know that disney plus bundle then you have access to espn plus and all the good articles right Right. now does it also remove ads no it does not that would be nice. That yeah. would be really nice. Uh, <laughs> but what it, what it does, I will say this from the user perspective, what that ESPN plus um, membership does is mm-hmm. it allows you to read the higher quality content. And for avid players, they really care about that, right? Because sure. they want to get into the, the nuts and bolts into the weeds in the statistics behind, you know, who they should sit and start on their fantasy team so that they have a better chance of winning and beating their friend at the office or their friend down the street. Right. <laughs> um, so that they can trash talk and win. So that's, that's what the, the it's, it's, it's really, um, you know, and I think that points to like, people want to have an edge because it's this tight knit community mm-hmm. and they care, like people really care about it. Um, and you know, that's always what's intrigued me and pulled me and kept me coming back year after year is the community aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so ESPN does a really great job of facilitating that. Now, in terms of um, commercialization, um, I think we hit the the big ones. And, you know, Nils, you actually touched on a huge potential here. But what I would say is if you guys were brought in to the fantasy football team at ES, or fan, sorry, the fantasy app team at, here at ESPN, what what avenues would you explore to further commercialize this product? I think it is woefully, woefully under commercialized mm-hmm. in terms of the amount of users they have. What'd you say, Yogesh? 18 million per week. Yeah. Is, you know, use the so they have 18 week million weekly active users. And if we do some back of the napkin math here, mm-hmm. um your your bundle for ESPN plus is gonna be let's call it $12 a month mm-hmm. split three ways. Right. Because so, you know, I'm sure the company split it three ways. Essentially Disney plus gets a third of it. Hulu plus gets a third of it and ESPN plus gets a third of it. So $4 a month mm-hmm. for every ESPN um, plus subscriber goes to ESPN. Mm-hmm. Now of those 18 million users, let's just uh, for the sake of numbers, round up to 20, 20 million users. How, what percentage of those 20 million users would you say have ESPN plus? I believe 60%. 60? Yeah. I, I, I would 60%. say 10 or lo- 10 or lower. Okay. Let's just take the average. I would also say 30% or in the 20% range. But so the average of that, uh, let's say 50, let's say 30%. Okay. So 30% of 20 million. I don't like doing this kind of math on the fly, but that's 6, 6 million. million. Six times four is 24 million. So ESPN is theoretically making $24 million a year off of these, or no, a month. A month. These um, subscribers that they have, these users Mm -hmm. that they have. That is really low. That is really low for how many people are interested in playing ESPN. Yeah, you're looking at somewhere $300 million. Yeah, that's low. So you're in the neighborhood of $20 million a month. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for ESPN to find some other avenues for commercialization. And as a product manager, 
and and maybe somebody who who doesn't know the ins and outs of the 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 app so to speak what avenues would you guys explore and maybe bring in anything you know from your b2b experience or b2c experience or you know how you guys would tend to approach problems like this Hmm. Like, like first of all, like I, I, I was thinking about is I, I think I just mentioned it at the beginning also that I would love to expand the the games. Uh, mm. The demographic is right now restricted to the U.S. and Canada or North America. I want to take it to Europe, Asia. Uh, the bigger game is soccer over there. Soccer is global game. Uh, think about the number of users and and the following for soccer. Uh, then in the terms of numbers, cricket is also equally, if not. Uh, is like big, big following too. So now you're talking about numbers and the following, but maybe the dollar signs over there may not be the same. You cannot sell the ESPN Plus over there. Uh, and they have another collaboration uh, across the globe, like ESPN Plus is working with other, other channels over there in, in Asia Pacific. So they have to look at that. But still, the number game is increasing. Uh, and and from, from there, uh, let me just put this way. From the perspective of uh, development, how much cost is cost is increasing? Not too much. Like if you take this, just bringing this football, soccer as well as cricket, it's a new sport. It's not yeah, that, incremental. It's not too much add on on the dead production, basically. Yeah. So that's that's a one thing. The second thing I was thinking about is that like maybe uh, sp- uh, having some videos, working with some top notch players of different leagues. And starting some new exclusive content and maybe charging for that little premium. But it's again uh, can be going in too many directions. Uh, so maybe I was thinking about the coaching tips or something like that. But again, then then you have to pay to these exclusive players also. So, but that's one thing I was thinking about because it's exclusive content, not available anywhere. And that goes in big favor. Yeah. That's my thoughts. <laughs> On the fly. So I I think that the first thing I would think about personally is whether the segments can be grown, right? Um, so what is keeping people from playing fantasy football? Like, I know I played it once, I didn't win, and I was unhappy with that. And so is there a is there a way to? And you know, this is one of those things where sometimes you offend the traditionalists by by creating something new that is maybe more engaging for. A bigger audience. Mm. Now, you may or may not need to do that. I'm just looking at this article from Forbes that said that something like a seventy billion dollar market, fantasy football altogether, which is pretty darn giant. Um, which is, um, you know, the NFL. The year of this article, it's an old article. The NFL's annual revenue was just under ten billion at the time, but fantasy and betting was more than that at the time of this article on on football. So it seems like there is a lot of you know, everybody, I mean, people like watching football and, but not all those people are playing fantasy. So maybe there, I would look at a couple things. One is, you know, I think the, de- I suspect the demographics of people watching fantasy football are different from the numbers we heard that eight, the 80% male, 20% female. So is there a way to open up the female market, uh, open fantasy up to that? Is there something about fantasy that's not appealing to the segments that aren't playing it. And could there be, could we come up with innovations around that? Um, do people want to get involved in fantasy football, but they haven't? If so, what are the reasons, right? Oh, I don't have time to watch every game. I don't have time to do all the research. I don't like the winning and losing of the, in the fantasy game itself. You know, there's a lot of different possibilities and you could come up potentially with ideas for how to have us maybe a softer and gentler version of fantasy football, just as an example, right? Um, that would be one place that I would look. Another place I would look is, um, certainly it seems like some kind of a connection with the betting side would be pretty interesting. That's a very big business. Um, and I know that there's a lots of regulations and laws and things around that. And I, I would be shocked if ESPN weren't trying to figure that out, right? That seemed like such an obvious place to go because it turns out that the people that bet on fan bet on football are the people 
according to some article I just saw, they're the same people that play fantasy football, <laughs> roughly, right? The big overlap. Yep. And so that's an, obviously a synergy. Um, and even, you know, it might even be, well, we're not going to take your bets, but we'll tell you how to bet, which actually they do already, right? They always give you the over and under and the mm -hmm. the, the betting line on these games. So This is not financial advice. Which is, you're right. <laughs> yeah. it's just for fun. It's just for fun. We don't mean it at all. Don't sue us if we're wrong, because we'll be wrong half the time. That's the nature of these things. So those are some those are some quick ideas I had. What what I think, Andrew, you probably have being a an, an avid user of the app itself. Yeah. Um, I'd like to hear your thoughts, and also the other thing that's that there are other fantasy apps. Yes. And have you done a comparison between? Is there like some that are better for some things and and worse for some things? Yeah. What brought you to the ESPN app specifically? Okay. Love that question. And I'm a nerd on this stuff. So <laughs> I will be able to answer this. Okay. So first off, let me just say, Nils, I, I thought your answer on user segmentation was a beautiful answer, right? Like, like finding a softer, gentler version to cater to a different audience is a genius idea. Because like you said, I truly believe people who watch football, it's more like 50, 50. If you, like, I think I read a Super Bowl stat somewhere like the world in the, in the world, there were mm -hmm. more female viewers of the Super Bowl than male. And I thought that blew my <laughs> mind. Kidding. Wow. Yeah, well, I think it just averaged out to the fact that there's, you know, 50 point, whatever, 50.5% of the population is women. Right. Right. <laughs> um, anyway. So, you know, I think that's a great idea. Like look at ways to make, uh, make the, the game more inclusive towards a larger audience and maybe dumb it down a little bit for maybe not, maybe that's, that's not the right word, but like make it, easier for those people to join in and have fun and not as hardcore. Right. So I think I fit into that different user segment, which would be mm -hmm. more like the hardcore, like who, who's really into this. And so as a hard, as a person who's more of like a pro user with this kind of stuff, I have a, a couple of ideas. And um, as a product manager, I think one of the things we always should start with here is we think about our users and our user segmentations, what kind of pain points they have, and then when you understand the pain of those those specific personas, then you can start to think about solutions and what makes sense from a commercialization and, and ROI standpoint for ESPN. Yep. So let me just, you know, for the sake of brevity here, let me just say, I truly believe that fantasy football, who the person who dictates the use, which app they use is the commissioner of the league. So every, every, uh, league, like, uh, uh, let me explain this for people who might not understand. <laughs> I have 10 friends that play fantasy football. One of us is considered the commissioner right. and the commissioner is the person who sets all the rules for the league. Right. So it's almost like a super user in every league. So out of those 18 million, uh, 18 million users, they're all divided into little leagues and they play against each other. And each one of those little leagues usually has like a designated leader of the group. That's the mm -hmm. commissioner. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so for us, you know, the commissioner is the person who a sets the rules, but also figures out ways to collect payment from everybody, you know, on the front end. And they deal with all this bogus, like having to track people down midway through the season of like, dude, you haven't paid me your hundred dollars or your $20 yet. Um, and, you know, there's all these like little niche problems that these commissioners have. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, if the commissioner is unhappy with the tool, he can take him or her and all nine other people or 11 other people in your league and take it to a different app completely. Right. Mm -hmm. So Yahoo is another popular one. And I've actually just started exploring with another tool, uh, another uh, competitive app called Sleeper. Okay. And we actually migrated our ESPN league of 10 years off of ESPN onto sleeper this past year. Wow. Why? Because the commissioner felt it was better. It, it, it was better suited to meet our needs. Right. And so that is something if I were, if I were a product manager at ESPN, I would be very worried about if I have diehard people who have been on my platform for so long, migrate away mm -hmm. over certain little niche features, I would definitely dive into what those are. Now, in terms of, so I would I would focus on the commissioner as as a product manager, and I would find every reason to keep commissioners at ESPN. I'd find out what makes them happy, like 
keeping people competitive. Like if you mm-hmm. have people that don't set their lineup, that really pisses people off, right? Like, <laughs> like it's just like a free win and, and it, it ruins the integrity of the game. Um, so I'd find features that help, you know, keep the integrity of the game. I'd find features that help me collect payment, like a bookie almost like, uh, where I think I honestly, I honestly thought this would always be a great feature for ESPN because they could stay out of trouble legally, but also make some money potentially, which is if you have the commissioner who is often the treasurer, mm-hmm. um, coll- instead of hey, everybody Venmo me your $20. Hey, everybody pay ESPN with whatever payment method you'd like. ESPN is the bank holder of all this money during the season. And it will automatically disperse weekly payouts or seasonal payouts, placement payouts, playoffs, losers, all that. And that would be so so much less of a burden on the commissioner to do that. But, you know, while the money is sitting in the pot for the season, ESPN could be investing it kind of like how Venmo does in the background. Sure. Right. And so there's your, there's your uh, revenue stream Um, doing a lot of talking here, but again, so I would say focus on the commissioner. What problems do they have? Treasury, keeping people competitive, lots of other ones I haven't mentioned. And then little solutions that go a long way to keep the commissioners on with their nine, 10, 11 other users in the league. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, Um, I love that. I love the customer journey mapping that you just did right now. What the, basically the other customer right now. Uh, when I was like thinking about when you were, uh, I was thinking what I was thinking when you were talking basically is that, okay, what are the other problems? You just, you just hit the nail that, okay, what about the money where it's going? But like, if you don't want to develop the, your own banking system or the withhold the money yourself because of legalities and whatnot, or you have to create a new, you can, do a partnership with Venmo or the companies like Zen or whatnot. Absolutely. And and again, it it serves a purpose, and you can still have a, some kind of revenue stream coming from that numbers also. But it's the one of the pain points we're taking away from the customer journey is that okay, I don't need to chase people. The money is there, visible, and everything. Uh, we also was thinking, what are the other pain points? I mean, because you were because you are the avid user, we are not. So. From my perspective, I really want to know what are the pain points you were other others other pain points you were struggling apart from that, because yeah. one of the things that Nils pointed out, and I was thinking about it always, is that okay, 18 million users, not too many. Uh, do you think it's a brand awareness? That's the one thing. The second pain point that I can think about when I was playing only for a couple of months, I played it long time back, is that because I'm not following the game, but I I am coming on this platform because my friends are playing. Okay, they know each and every player. <laughs> and one of the pain points that I struggle is that, okay, since I don't know whom to pick, if I could come some kind of suggestions, like uh, utilizing the AI now, automation, because, hey, they can say, you know what? 90% of people are choosing this player because yeah. he's, a, he's a top-notch football player for so many reasons. Yeah, He should be in your team. He should be in your team. I will start playing. And you know what? One of the thing, reasons why Nils discouraged because you know, he got like, he was, he played one time, he lost. But think about if I'm getting a good AI suggestion, now I become more competitive against this top-notch player like you. And I feel like, okay, you know what? Even though they are reading and whatnot, I'm getting a good team. I'm developing a new team and good teams now. So, <laughs> yeah. so that is a one way of encouraging people. Brand awareness is, again, how do you uh, provide the awareness? And how do you teach? Like, this is a great way of utilizing AI into this product. Yeah. I was going to basically just say the same thing, Yogesh, <laughs> that, that, you know, a challenge for me, of course, I don't watch every game. I don't, <laughs> I don't follow football. I love football. I love watching it, but I watch, you know, yep. over the course of the season, I probably watch a total of four games quarter, you know, made yep. up of a bunch of different quarters yep. of different games. Yep. <laughs> I mean, which is, which is sad, but that is the way it is. But, you know, I think about the, the things you have to do within the, within the game, like setting your lineup, trading, there's yeah. always a trading every week. And it's like, exactly. I haven't, I have no idea who these people are. Um, and there's, there's timing, you know, so I'm often very busy on the, tra- on trading day or in that trading window, I'm doing other things in my life. Yeah. Right. Um, so those are some areas where I would feel like, uh, you know, some AI or machine learning kind of things could be very helpful yep. to gu- to guide me to, to either to, or where I could just say, do it for me, you exactly. know, and, and maybe with a trade-off, right. Where it's like, yep. okay, I'm going to use the AI. I know I'm not going to get 
the best possible solution, but I'm going to get a decent solution. Yep. Um, the other one question I though had for, uh, for Andrew, uh, is there a sense of, is there any kind of handicapping within fantasy football typically? No. Okay. So, cause that might be another thing, right? Where a, a player who was not as skilled, there might be a way to do some handicapping in there, right? That's one of the reasons, one of the reasons golf is really so popular in the world is because of handicapping, right? Because every player can kind of, due to handicapping, compete on a level playing field. Um, you know, and, and I'm just wondering, is there a way to, to, would there be a way to come up with a handicapping approach for fantasy football that might enable people to get into it on a, on a somewhat more casual basis, people that are fans, but don't have time to invest in, in knowing everything. Yeah. Um, something to think about. Yeah. That would be a tech, you know, the interesting I, thing is these, we're not talking about technical solutions that might help address those big, you know, segmentation or market growth kind of problems that we talked about earlier. I have, a, I have another idea right now. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Like just to attract the more users or like, is like, I don't know. I mean, you can tell me like, do you have like any kind of like, uh, way that who is the winner of the entire fantasy league and can you yeah. see that person okay yeah. but do you, does that player get, uh, or that league get any kind of reward from espn no no usually not so so if they can introduce some kind of like rewards like hey the top three leagues or top three commissioners will get some kind of reward it's it becomes more competitive and now you know why you should be coming because you are playing it now. You're getting rewards for the rewards from the ESP. Yeah, they do things like that, like sweepstakes. Like you can enter for sweepstakes, and it's usually a sponsorship type of thing. Um, yeah, it's like free to enter, but you win, you know, an extra thousand dollars for your league mates. Uh, big numbers. Yeah. <laughs> Talking big numbers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a million dollar buddy. <laughs> so you know, I like I, I kind of want to let's let's start putting a bow on this. I think we've been we've been dancing around this this subject the whole time without really addressing it forthright which is community right so mm -hmm. what you were saying nils it's not like these solutions and and things we're talking about here are not necessarily technology based yeah maybe we can infuse some ai here and there but really the goal of that the goal of using leveraging this technology is to bring people together over a common bond or a common mm -hmm. purpose mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and just from you know uh, a not like me speaking as not a product manager as just a fan of the game and a fan of the sport. It's one of the reasons I come back every year is because I get together and I do an in-person draft with my, with my college friends. We've been doing this for 10 years. Right. And that's the part that we really enjoy. And this is just an excuse to be able to do that. Right. Sure. We've got people living all over the world, Thailand, England, um, you know, all over North Carolina, North, where we live in North Carolina. And so, but, but we make a, a concerted effort to join each other, um, in person once a year. And then we play obviously throughout the, the season. Now, I think there's this person I really enjoy following, um, on Twitter and, and LinkedIn. His name's Greg Eisenberg. He talks about community all the time and community led products. And, ESPN fantasy app is a let I would say it's like a legacy app that kind of got sidecar, you know, strapped into the media conglomerate of ESPN, right? So I believe the nature of fantasy sports is communal. However, this app is entrenched in what it is today. If it were disconnected and you could completely come up with a brand new fantasy approach to fantasy sports, I believe you could really make a dent in ESPN. And this is an opportunity for ESPN, by the way, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the way you approach community, especially as we enter the web three era. So does that ring any bells for you guys in terms of what you might do as a product manager and how you might approach a community led product for a fantasy sport app? Um, and maybe even with a web three twist. I think the idea of a, of what would be a disruptive innovation in the fantasy world community, you, you would probably have to start from scratch to yeah. make a community and you'd, and you'd make the app that would be like, oh, we, 
want to cr- people people want to have a way of having a community around their football fandom right and does it end up being even like fantasy football that's an interesting question it might not end up that way it might end up in some other way yeah um you know i mean f- fantasy football is really it's a spreadsheet an automated spreadsheet to you know 90% of the of what it is and you know we we all you know i work in enterprise in enterprise software that's exactly what all most enterprise software is right it's just fancy spreadsheets that have a central repository um and you know so in some sense the apps that are really interesting nowadays are apps that didn't start as a spreadsheet right i i can't i'm not coming up with ideas off the top of my head but you know there's a lot of really interesting apps out there that well, Figma, Figma would be an ex- example, although it's not community-based, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that might be something, it, it might be a totally different way to come at the idea is to say, oh, I'm going to set aside the idea of stats and stuff. I'm going to think from the community standpoint, what would make that interesting and compelling and engaging? And you might end up bringing stats and things back into it, but maybe in a different way. Um, you know, maybe, and I, I'm just, you know, it's like, for example, one of the things about fantasy football leagues is they're 10 to 12 people, right? Cause they're, it, it, mm-hmm. cause you can't support a hundred people in a fantasy football league. Right. Right. Well, maybe in a community app, football related app, you could, you could have a hundred people what would that look like? What would that mean? Right. And then in terms of the web 3.0, not, not an area of expertise for me really, but certainly it does raise some interesting ideas around the whole question of, you know, when people pay into the pool, you know, where does it go? How's it tracked? Web three is kind of focused a lot on the security and traceability of that kind of thing. So, you know, it's maybe something interesting there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely the financial traceability and uh, aspect. I almost said observability. I think that's that's <laughs> just my B two B realm. <laughs> um, but you know, I I would say the other thing that really sticks out to me for Web three is like tokenization of communities uh, or of your league, right? So like, it, let's say for instance you're in a long standing league and um, you could essentially sell your your stake in the league just. Mm-hmm. And like you can turn your fantasy team into a token and then you can transfer that token to somebody else who wants to take over and they pay a price and they're now the, the, you know, the leader of that, that fantasy team. So you can do swaps and things like that, especially for highly competitive leagues. Once you get Mm -hmm. up like the, you know, the, the more, um, you know, pro user level. Um, and you know, you could also, you could also do that in terms of, um, you know, you could play in high stakes leagues with like celebrities and things like that. And you could, you could NFT into those types of things or, or tokenize into those types of leagues as well. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just one idea, but yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting concept to think about um, from like, if you were going to create a ground up fantasy app, but definitely an interesting thing to keep on the radar for the ESPN team. If they ever happen to listen to this, which I that's doubt. right. Yeah. They should we definitely should all tag, tag them when we post, yeah, post I, the, the update on this. <laughs> I mean, you were talking about community. I mean, I was just thinking like from the product management, more like technology perspective over there. Like how can you develop more engaging community? You you said you talk about your 10 friends, but what about like someone does not have friends? Yes. Playing uh, fantasy or let's say I, I develop a, a, a fantasy to just start playing these fantasy uh, games and I don't have friends. Like how should I do that? So I was thinking about like how the dating apps works. And mm. wh- how they do the works mm. basically, they, they say, okay, uh, active your location and then start finding people in your neighborhood who are playing. And then you start getting not- notification. Hey, you know what? You just passed by Andrew. He plays uh, fantasy football. He's, and you know what happened? Now you develop a, fin- uh, uh, a new league over there, or maybe I can join an existing league. So yes. your engagement increase over there. The one problem that you, the pain point that was we were talking about was awareness. And now my awareness is increasing as a user also. Uh, my engagement has increased. And within no time, you will see the numbers are start expanding. 
Uh, we, we were talking about the gender difference. I think the gender difference will go away. Maybe it's start acting like a dating app also, but on the <laughs> on a different level. So, but but think about it. Like sometimes you you don't think your solution is right there, but you have to find the solution from a dating app to this ESPN Plus. Uh, it it works. It will work basically. Uh, for me, definitely it will work. And I, I know so many people when I I talk to in the especially when I go to pub. They, they they say I'm I'm watching this first time. I don't know who this player is, and I, then I feel like okay, I'm not the only one who is watching it first time. So it's great, and <laughs> that that and you build a community right there because you're a newbie now. You say okay, I'm in the same league as this guy. So there is there's a league of senior people, there's a league of uh, experts, and there's a league of newbies. And yeah. then now we are playing, and we are all comfortable in different leagues. Exactly. Yeah. You honestly, you kept bringing up this topic, and I've I've refrained from saying this, but I'm gonna say it now, because I t- I so I texted all the guys in my fantasy group chat the other day, and I was like, you know what, guys, I feel like we could start a fantasy coaching company where we <laughs> we can literally like uh, help somebody draft their team and manage exactly. their team throughout the season, mm-hmm. and we have this mm-hmm. rolodex of like newbie players who are trusting us with you know as their trusted advisor. And we share in the winnings should we win their league, right? So it's just a numbers game. And I was like, that would be a great business up until ESPN, you know, comes up with a, uh, you know, an AI solution to to dismantle that whole idea. But um, anyways, I would, I would like, to, I think we're approaching time. So let me say any last words that anybody didn't get to get in. I think this was an interesting conversation just from my perspective. I loved it. <laughs> I, I, I think there's lots more to talk about. That's pretty, pretty interesting topic. Yeah. And I was thinking, could we bring esports into it in some way? Um, oh. You know, that's a whole other, whole other area, um, a whole other model that might have some, some, something to learn from. Streaming, um, yeah, like a streaming type. Thing, um, uh, you know, you, where people watch you. I, I, I mean, which you know, if if it's an esports thing, then then is there a way to make fantasy football? Is there a way to do a quick version, a, fa- a flash fantasy football, where yeah. it's like, oh, you have, um, you know, what can you, what can you do in half an hour, right? Yeah, quarter, ha- quarter base fantasy, half, yeah. or or half an half an hour head to head competition, you know, like, like, uh, d- you know, uh, the the esports things are these really fast games. Yeah, at the end, everybody says GG, and they go go off. Wow. You know, is there an opportunity for that in some way that, you know, and, and then people can watch people play fantasy football, not have to play themselselves, but still get the thrill. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. That's I just, the- I just thought of that as I was talking, that was fun. Awesome. <laughs> I loved it actually. <laughs> so we'll need an episode too. It sounds like, um, but yeah, I mean, so I, I think uh, we'll wrap it up there. And for anybody who is listening, hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please let us know if there are, you know, uh, things that you wish we would have talked about or things that you'd like for us to cover in another future episode, but we really appreciate you listening and, uh, tuning in and we'd love to interact with you. So reach out to us anytime, uh, with that, let's go ahead and end it. Thanks again, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Andrew.